Steve Sidwell of the International Federation of Pickleball says there's no magic number of countries playing the game for getting the sport into the Olympic Games. But he has been responsible for the explosion of nations becoming members of the IFP. So let's get to the intro so we can see how Steve is doing that. Welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, where it's all about pickleball. Today, I'd like to welcome to the Pickleball Fire podcast, Steve Sidwell. How are you doing today? Doing great, Lynn. Thanks. Uh, it's great that you're playing pickleball in, in Central California. All right. Well, I didn't get a chance to play today just for numerous reasons, but I hope you did. So let's get into it. I always do like to start off with when you heard about pickleball, how long ago that was and how you got started. Sure. It's been a while and not, not too long. I'm not one of these 20 year players, but I think it's going about on nine years now. We moved to Paso Robles, California, which is a dead way between San Francisco and LA, not quite on the coast, about 20 miles from the coast. And we moved here from Santa Barbara, California. We'd lived there for 28 years and decided to move up here to retire. And this was in late 2012. And a gentleman who I'm not sure how he even met the guy originally was something called a pickleball ambassador. He had moved up here from actually Orange County. He was a baseball coach at Saddleback College. The gentleman's name was Jack Hodges. And he had started pickleball, I think, in Orange County several years prior to that, moved up here before again to retire. And we, he found a roller hockey rink that the city was not using. He asked him if he could go in there and put down chalk lines and put in these permanent nets. And they said, sure. So that was the genesis, and this was back in January of 2013. That caught on very quickly, and by 2014, we got permission from the city, of course, if we paid for it, (laughs) to put down uh, a completely new surface with permanent nets and windscreens, and we had room for for six courts. Actually, we had room for five courts without windscreens. We could have gone to four, but we said, no, we'll go with the five. And since that decision, we must have yelled the term ball on 10 million times. So <clears throat> we'll learn the next time. And so that was back in 2014. I became involved with the USA Pickleball at that point because the gentleman I just spoke of, Jack Hodges, decided to relocate again, and he moved back to his home state of Hawaii. And he asked me if I'd like to be involved in the USC pickleball. I said, what's that involved? He said, not much. I said, I'm not an athlete. And he said, go ahead, give it a shot. So I reluctantly accepted that position. And then fast forwarding a bit, then I became a, a district ambassador for our county. And then finally, I became the USAP regional director for all of California and all of Hawaii. And USAP is a large organization. It's got over 40,000 members. In the West region alone with two states, we had 6,000 members. So my post-retirement job gradually went from playing pickleball to spending 40, 50 hours a week organizing a region. And this all was prior to something called the IFP. So how did you get involved with the International Federation of Pickleball? Well, then in 2015, I was introduced to a guy by the name of Mike Hess. Never knew Mike. He had started pickleball in Madrid, Spain. And my wife and I do a lot of traveling, a lot of international traveling. So in 2015, we actually went to Madrid to meet with Mike Hess 
and talk about getting some sort of organization going and getting some activity back and forth between the states. Again, that was 2015. And then in, uh, I think it was 2016, 2017, that organization, the IFP, got going, but not as fast as we'd hoped it would be. And unfortunately, in 2018, Mike Hess had some family issues he had to attend to. And he said, he asked me if I would be interested in running that organization with the president. And Lily said, oh, my gosh, I'm not sure. So this is one of those decisions that will go down in history as meaning listen to your wife and save a lot of problems. So I, I mistakenly thought that I could manage both the presidency of the IFP and the West region for the USAP, USAPA. Well, my volunteer job of 40 hours started going to 60 and 70 hours a week. And my wife said, you know what? That's not what retirement's about. And she was exactly correct. So I decided at that point to back down out of the IFP, stay with the USA Pickleball because I had a lot of years invested in there and we had a lot going in the West region. And that was fine with me for a long time. Got good time to play and had my... experience back where it really served me well working with USA Pickleball. But as I indicated, we have, my wife and I have a background in a lot of international traveling. So I actually said, all right, I will come back in and join the IFP, but I don't want the top job. What I want is some responsibility internationally as the organization is, is named. So I created a position of membership director. And at this time, Lynn, I think we had maybe I don't know, 15 countries in the International Federation of Pickleball. And that was, again, I think this must have been like 20, again, 2018. Well, I took a liking to that because, again, I liked the international piece. And my wife and I started playing in international tournaments. We played in uh, Italy. We played in Germany. We played in Ireland. We didn't get to play last year because of COVID. And this year was in the States. Next year, we think we're going to be back on track with an international event. In that period of the last three years, the last four years, we've grown the number of member countries in the IFP from 15 to currently 67. And there's really no magic number. You'll hear the term 75 countries tossed around because that's what the IF, that's what the uh, International Olympic Committee requires to introduce a sport into the Olympics, to become an Olympic sport. Now, that'll be a great accomplishment for us. And we're on track for that. We're we're really doing well in that regard. But there are two steps to this process. One is to become an Olympic sport. And the other is to become a sport played at the Olympics. Now, you say, aren't they the same? Not quite. People may not know this, but the Olympic host city themselves, like whether it's Paris this summer or LA in 2028, or Brisbane in 2032, each of those host cities gets to choose which Olympic sports they want to include. And they'll make that decision basically based on finances. They'll want to get the sports that are the least expensive to host that can bring on the greatest viewership. For example, if you have to build a a $5 million velodrome for indoor biking, you got to have a way to make that money back. But if you can repurpose some tennis courts by resurfacing and bring pickleball in, it's not that expensive. So we've got that working for us. The other thing we have working for us is, as you've seen, pickleball is expanding exponentially. Everybody sees it in the States. Not too many people see it globally, but we see it globally. It's I, I say it's in the zeitgeist now because we're seeing it. Again, nationally, 
at the highest levels. We're seeing it in Hollywood. We're seeing it on mainstream media. It Every year, it seems to get better and better for this promotion for our sport. Well, let me break in here sure. and ask you a question. I mean, as you said, the growth recently in the last couple of years in terms mm-hmm. of the member countries mm-hmm. has just been amazing, going from, you had mentioned, 15 to 67 now. Correct. How has that happened? <laughs> Hard work. There's really a couple of ways I go about that. And I, I don't want to use the I word, but at this point in time, I'm pretty much the only one on the recruiting side of this. But I'm expanding my capacity so we can so I can share some of that responsibility. So there are countries that well, let me back up. We have three levels of membership in the IFP. We have full memberships, associate memberships, and affiliate memberships. And you say, what are those? Well, to be a full member, you have to meet all the requirements on the member country application. And this isn't a long document. There's really maybe half a dozen requirements, Lynn, that each country needs to meet. But some of those take time to get there. So if you're, let me back up. We have seven full members. Those are countries that have had pickleball in place for quite a while. For example, the USA, Canada. Actually, we have the Philippines now. We have the Czech Republic. We have India. I think we have England, France. Those are all countries where pickleball has been very active for many years. They're they're conducting tournaments. They have a solid organization. They are full members. Now, on the other extreme of the scale, we'll skip the middle for a a moment, are the affiliate members. And of our 67 countries, maybe 28 of them are affiliates. Now, here's what that means. Not surprisingly, there are a ton of countries in the world that are just getting wind of this sport. Some are really teeny tiny countries. Some are very big countries. And if someone is willing to come into us and say, you know what? We agree to build a ground up organization to become eventually the national governing body for the sport in our country. If they can do that and they can put together, if they can meet a few baseline qualifications, we'll bring them in as an affiliate member and we'll help them move up the scale. And to show you the extremes of that category, we have countries as small as Nepal, Tonga, Samoa, okay, some island nations. On the other hand, we have the largest country geographically in the world that's an affiliate member, and that's Russia, because they're just now getting started. And then, and then in the middle of that, between the affiliates and the full, we have the associates, those are member countries that are in between. They've met most of, but not all the requirements. So does that shed any light on things? It, it does, absolutely. And what I wanted to ask next was, does it matter to the Olympic Committee that you've got some really fledgling countries just starting out? Is that any consideration? Well, it will be a consideration. What's important is, the Olympics require that every member country form their own, they call it NOC, National Organizing Committee. That's something separate from the IFP. It's something associated directly with the Olympics. And that's the body that the IOC will recognize. Fortunately, I would say 98% of our member countries already have NOCs. We call them NOC NOCs. We have a couple that don't yet have uh, NOCs, 
but they want to be members. So we bring them in as members and eventually they'll work to get in their own national organizing committee. But when you think about this, when you watch the Olympics and you watch the parade of athletes and you see that guy come in in a grass skirt from Tonga, everybody's seen this guy. He's a huge bodybuilder. But the point is they maybe have three or four people in their whole assemblage for the Olympics. Those are tiny countries, but they've been able to get that national organization organizing committee. They've been able to get sponsors. And the IOC wants as much diversity and inclusion as they could possibly get. They want diversity, inclusion, and viewerships. And the host countries don't want to lose money. So that's the, the combination that determines who what sports actually get into the Olympics. Now, my understanding is that certainly for the next Olympics, and then I guess the ones in LA, mm-hmm. the sports are probably already pretty locked in, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're definitely locked in. Our best bet would be as soon as we could, it would be to get in some demonstration. Pat Murphy has said, and I'm going to support his idea, that we will have some presence in Paris in in 2024. If nothing else, that's an excuse for me to go back there. So we will figure out a way to make a presence in 2024. Four years later in 2028, I think we have a better chance of getting into some facet of an exhibition type sport. And if publicity keeps increasing like it has been on things like Good Morning America and ABC TV and everywhere you look, there's new promotion. I think that's going to help our cause. Very true. And then in terms of, you had mentioned down the road, the idea is that you want to have inexpensive sports. You don't have to build big facilities and you want to make sure they have a really good draw, even going to a couple pro events so far for me mm-hmm. this year here in, in 2021, there really hasn't been as many spectators as you might be expecting. So I, I think we're a ways off, don't you? We are. Uh, people will they'll think that, but then at the same time, I would ask that you look at some of the sports going in the Olympics. Breakdancing is going into Paris in 2028, plus several other ones. Those even though they don't sound like a a conventional sport, they've mustered enough publicity and participation and sponsorship to make it go. Our sport, as we've all known, has been for the last, let's say, decade, very senior-centric. And as much as we tell people they got to learn the dink game, uh, a bunch of guys my age out there dinking the ball back and forth is not going to really make for good ABC TV. (laughs) But you've seen the way the sport's moving. We've got now a uh, major pickleball league. We have several different bodies in the pickleball space that are now promoting it as a professional sport with obviously very clearly younger players that make the game fun and exciting to watch. So I think there's always going to be a place. There will always be a place for what pickleball was started with and for, which was, again, senior players. They'll always be there. But I think this sport's going to morph so that – the younger people, the the percentage of players that are new will be younger players, but there'll always be this older cadre going on because this is truly a sport you can play for your entire life. Most people haven't played it on their entire life because they haven't heard about it. But these guys and gals that are playing it now in their teens, you can bet they're going to be playing this when they're in their 70s and 80s. There's no question. Very true. Now, I guess I want to get into a little bit more of 
you know, how things have grown so fast. You know, that's been a lot of work on your part. And I'm talking about in terms of bringing in the member countries, are you going to still be going at such a rapid pace going forward since you're getting close to that 75 mark or what's the plan there? Well, there's 195 recognized countries in the world by the United Nations. There's 20 or 30 other entities that aren't recognized as sovereign countries because they're either territories or something else. But use the number as 200. So we've got about a third of the world already playing. Clearly, we've gone after the low-hanging fruit. So to answer your question, I think the rate that I'll be bringing on new countries will probably be slowing in the future. But in, in terms of bringing them on, I've got the advantage now. Two years ago, people weren't coming to me saying, hey, what do we have to do to get into the IFP? Or I've never even heard of the IFP. But now <clears throat> there's probably every couple of weeks, I'll get an email from some individual that's heard about this from someone else that says, hey, tell us about the IFP. How can we get pickleball started? And well, as I mentioned, I'm working right now on a uh, gentleman in Gambia, in Africa, who wants to bring the sport because he heard about it from a friend of his in Nigeria, who is already an IFP member country. So that word of mouth happens. And then I don't like to use the word recruiting. That's really not what I do. What I do is I present what it means to be associated with a national organization, the global organization, in a new exciting sport. And it's it, it doesn't happen automatically. Yeah, we have to. Everybody loves to play this sport, as we know that. But it takes a different group of people that are saying, you know what? I want to go further in this sport. I want to more than play it. I really do want to expand it. <clears throat> I want to get people to uh, be better players. I want to help get, uh, cities get more courts. Those are the type of people that I approach to work in our organization. In the affiliates, again, those are the brand new people. It, it could be simple as three people. I need to have a treasurer, secretary, <clears throat> and um, a president. And say, you know what, we'll go ahead and start building this national organization. And in every case, every one of those things has grown. They've grown into a large organizations. And that's how our seven full members have gotten to that level. It's taken them a few years. But once you plant the seed, and if you can do anything like help them along with training or equip, it just speeds up the process. Now, what are the countries that are at the associate level have to do to get to the full level? Well, you have to go, we'll have to go back to those six questions that I mentioned to you that are really key. We ask number one, we ask, are you guys the recognized spokesperson and leader for the sport in your country? Are you? Well, that in itself is a rather subjective question. But if it's just starting it's pretty tough for them to say uh, yes, because there's been no opportunity for recognition. So that's a yes, no question. We also ask them if they are currently registered with any organization or sometimes a ministry, a sports ministry in their country for the sport of pickleball. Well, that really goes to whether or not there is such a ministry that speaks to collective sports management. Most countries do have something like that. But most people just getting into this haven't taken it to that level. So, again, that's a binary yes or no question. But then I get into organizational questions. Have you put together a group? Do you have bylaws? Do you have a constitution? Do you have a bank account? Have you had tournaments? Are you involved with any equipment? There's a couple other similar questions. 
And once someone can say, okay, we've been at this for three years. We've grown from 20 people to 210. We've had two local tournaments. We're going to have a national tournament next year. We got a bank account. We got these five people on the board of directors. We're planning this thing for next year. Once they can lay out a plan that says, you guys have really grown, I can move them into a full membership. Well, there's really a lot to that if you think about, but I think all in all, the good news for you is that as the member countries are coming on a little bit more slowly, mm-hmm. you're actually going to be able to play more pickleball yourself. You know what? I used to play five or six days a week, three or four hours a day. <clears throat> and now it's down to maybe two or three times a week, a couple, three hours a day. So I've really had to rebalance that time. And, but And I still do love to play. Probably could have been a lot better player if I were just kept playing and not getting into the organizational side. But working with these international countries and seeing how happy they are just to be associated with something that's official and international gives me a lot of uh, fulfillment. I see videos of these guys playing on dirt fields with not even taped courts, with nets hanging up by posts and a, a cannon. It just it's amazing the feeling I get from that. Today, we just shipped off, let's see, a box of 100 balls, and I think it was a dozen paddles to a gentleman in Florida who is head of Pickleball South Africa that was here on a holiday, and he's going to be hand-carrying that stuff back as luggage back to South Africa. So those are things that I really like to see that gives me my reason for being in this. I love that story, and that just makes so much sense. You've done so much hard work over the years, both for the USAPA and the IFP. Is there anything else that the listeners should know today? No, I think um, we we still do a better job, Lynn, of getting our word out. Ruth Rosenquist is our social media lady. She's doing a good job. But we have a lot of good stories that we need to share. Uh, success story. When, when people hear things like you just reacted to, that makes me think, hey, people like to see and hear that sort of thing. So between social media and our promotional efforts, and as we get larger, and let's say even more financially sound, we'll be able to physically be going to places in the world that can go face to face with some of these member countries. We've I, What I didn't mention is the organization is divided into five continents, called five continental federations. And we sort of look, we picked five, that's the Olympic rings. One is Africa. And we now have five countries in Africa. One is Oceania, which is Australia and a whole bunch of islands. We have Asia, we have many countries in Asia. We have Europe, and we probably have 15 countries, at least maybe 20 from Europe. And then we have the Americas. Now, I'm thinking about we should consider maybe dividing between North and South America. Right now, it's just the Americas, which is we've got probably 90% of South America. And then we have all of North America, Canada, US and Mexico. So those are our five divisions. And each one of those is what we call a continental federation. And they help us collectively oversee each of those groups of countries. As we talk, there might be somebody listening who knows somebody who might have an interest somewhere in the world of starting pickleball. If that's the case, where's the best place to reach out and get in contact with you? So I have an email. 
And uh, it's, it's just an IFP email, and it's called countrymembers at ifpickleball.org. Country, C-O-N-T-R-Y, members, plural, at ifpickleball.org. And I try to make sure we answer everyone's question. These days, we're getting a lot more requests, just generic requests, like, well, gee, I heard about this being played in Tonga, and I'm in Guam or whatever. And what do you have to do to get there? So we, again, we spoon feed inquiries like that along because we want them event, eventually to be in our growing family. All right. Well, that certainly makes it easy for anybody to get a hold of you. And I just wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I love getting in discussing about all the countries and, and the growth of the sport, of course. So thank you, Steve, so much for being on the Pickleball Fire podcast. Great, Lynn. Thank you very much for the time to share our passion. And uh, we'll do this again sometime. And let's, let's reconvene when we have 100. That'll be a good goal for me. Ah, sounds great. All right, Lynn. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to the Pickleball Fire podcast. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to give it a five-star review on Apple iTunes.